Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from the Living Faith Bible Institute. We want to make sure that every single week that you join with us, that we're having conversations that edify you and strengthen you and build you up in, in your faith. Uh, this week, I'm interviewing Pastor Sam Miles about how to build a healthy ministry. And uh, last time we were together, we had a conversation about the importance of prayer and meeting with God and making sure that the Holy Spirit is going before us in the work uh, so that we have a thriving and exciting and organic ministry ahead of us. Mm -hmm. This week, we're going to talk about evangelism and discipleship and building leaders in the work. And so I want to welcome back Pastor Sam Miles. Yeah, thanks of, for having me back. Of Midtown Baptist Temple. Yes, sir. That's us. Yeah, that's us. That's our Represent. Team. Yes, representing. Yeah. Um, so as we get into it, uh, mm -hmm. I think um, that it's important for us to, to think about um, the role of uh, evangelism in what we do here at Midtown. We talk about it constantly, mm -hmm. right? And so when we're talking about a healthy ministry, it's absolutely crucial that we talk about winning winning souls. And I, there are very yeah. few Christians are in that business nowadays, the, the soul winning business. Yeah, it's critical. You know, if we're going to be a fruitful church, right? If we're going to make disciples, then we've got to win souls, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I, I think it's easy for ministries to get in the trap of just holding services. And so most of the planning, the energy, the efforts go into, you know, the big show the on event. Sunday. Oh yeah. That's yeah. the big event. And it, you know, come on. It's the time that the body comes together to worship the Lord. If anything's worth doing, it's worth doing right. There ought to yeah. be effort put into that. But if that is 99% of the focus right. of a local church, then what ends up happening is, is we have a lot of attenders, but we don't have a lot of ministers. Mm -hmm. And so this ties back to what we were talking about last time with prayer. Uh, you know, if, if the church can get a, a, a mindset, uh, you know, if if we can if we can get a hold of the the mindset or the motto or the approach to ministry that says every member in the local church can be equipped and in other words it's not the pastor's job to do everything i'm a member of this church mm -hmm. the work of the lord is my responsibility and so as a member how is god to use going to use me to be a part of winning souls and making disciples and and uh building up the body right. you know for the work of the ministry so so everything starts with prayer we win souls because we pray for them mm -hmm. you know one of the things that we didn't mention in the last episode is how we will have regular seasons of fasting and praying mm -hmm. uh, we'll typically twice a year covid may have messed us up a little bit but i don't think so in the spring we had three weeks of prayer and fasting and that's primarily for open doors um, mm -hmm. We're fasting and praying for the lost. We we build. We encourage our members to build. It's called an Andrew list. The Graham Association uh, came up with right. this. Andrew brought his brethren to Jesus. You know, and we want to do the same thing. We want to bring the lost to Christ. And and so during our three weeks of prayer and fasting, we'll have a list of lost people. And we're and, but then with that, we're praying for open doors. Mm -hmm. And then. At the conclusion of three weeks of prayer and fasting, you know, the big question for the church is, is who has God really placed on your heart? And go approach them and, and, and just ask them, hey, I'm looking at starting a Bible study. Would you help me 
start a Bible study. Yeah. And the lost are willing to do that. Shockingly, there's so many lost people that would love to do a Bible study with a believer. And, and then we just, and it, 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 we do a lot with confrontational evangelism. We got people that go out in teams and we're just approaching people cold turkey. Sure. And the Lord uses that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but typically, you just get a few moments to share the gospel in those kind of settings. What we're looking for primarily, and again, we don't want to take anything away from con- confrontational evangelism, but we're really looking for the people that we can take five weeks or five months right. to get the gospel to and start in Genesis and end up at Jesus, you know, from Genesis to John, do a creation to Christ Bible study so that by the time you get to the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, they already know about the sin problem mm-hmm. and the picture of the Redeemer in Genesis chapter 22, you know, the picture of the sacrifice, so that whenever the Lamb of God, we see God providing himself. So all of that you know, is covered in our approach to evangelism. So we have to have, as church leadership, we gotta know that this is the work of every member, so the way we communicate, the way we're doing training, um, it's if every member is a minister, well, then you can absolutely trust God yeah. for open doors. You can give the gospel. You can lead people to Christ. Yeah. So what you're talking about is um, is de-emphasizing the big show and empowering people day by day by day to do the work of a minister that maybe yes. previously they had in their mind yeah. they had presupposed that that was the work of a pastor or someone who's right. full time on the staff. Like that's what they do. Uh, which I think is a typical view in an American church. Yeah. And at most evangelical churches, they've got the yeah. name evangelical and yet no one is doing Nobody's evangelizing. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, if we if if the if the people who are attending Midtown Baptist Temple think that that is the objective of their walk with Christ is to try to stay out of trouble and attend service with us <laughs> right. once or twice a week, then we are abject failures yeah. as pastors. Right. Every member a minister. Right. Yeah. And that requires training. We'll talk about the training component, mm-hmm. but but we want every uh, person in our church to have a strategy and approach and a prayer life that centers on winning the lost. Uh, yeah. Because as we said in, in the, the previous episode when we were together, is that we don't really want to be in the business of shuffling Christians between churches. We want to make we want to see new Christians made and established. Now you talked about um, Bible study as an approach. And Mm -hmm. if we just hammer down there for a second, because I think for a lot of people that may be a a new perspective, Mm -hmm. on the college campuses um, and among the young people here uh, at at MBT. Oh, you guys have ran with that. It's been wonderful. It's it's thrived. It's thrived and it's affected our approach um, to to every time we open the Bible. How can we do it in such a way that the lost can join us, really? And so we've seen a lot of fruit from from Bible studies that are one-on-one with the lost, but we've also seen a lot of fruit in a large group context where the yeah. lost can just come yeah, in and hang right. out and be with the Christians. Yeah. And we've, we've created a way or we've, we've developed a way uh, we call discovery Bible method. And mm-hmm. we kind of built that out to, to, to work that way. Can you talk about creation to Christ a little bit more? Because I think discovery Bible method and creation to Christ, they go, they go hand in hand, uh, but they are different. Can you explain those? Yeah. So the, the reason we jumped on this was we were doing primarily invitational and confrontational evangelism. Mm-hmm. So we would go out and we would try to find lost people that wanted to listen to us or right. would come to church with us. And at the time, I was already, 
hearing every week we would hear professions of faith mm-hmm. but rarely very rarely would we see those professions in other words i wouldn't meet them and find out they're disciples of christ and so there is a problem with you know, I've heard people call it quick prayerism, easy believism. Mm-hmm. In other words, the 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 person, the believer, is so eager to win people to Christ, they're very quick to get to the sinner's prayer, and it typically gets framed: Do you want to know that you're going to heaven when you die? Right. Yes. If you do, then they give a gospel, a short gospel sure. presentation. Would you like to pray with me? And the implication is, is so that you can go to heaven when you die. Mm-hmm. And it spooks me. Because salvation isn't about getting a ticket to heaven when you die. It's about being reconciled to God. You need to be reconciled back to the Father because your sin separates you from him. Uh-huh. And so, you know, we've got a lot of people that maybe are praying and asking Jesus into their heart so they can go to heaven when they don't maybe even realize they're on their way to hell, yeah. you know? And so... And so I know how it was for me whenever I was young. I, I was in second grade, and and I'm sitting in Sunday school class because you know that's what I'm supposed to do. And and the Sunday school teacher said, "How many of you guys want to go to heaven when you die? Raise your hand." And because I'm not stupid, <laughs> of course I want to go to heaven when I right. die. I raise my hand, yeah. and they're oh, that's so wonderful. And so if you if you raised your hand, you want to go to heaven when you die. You come down front. We want you to sit right here. And so I came down front, and there was two or three of us. We came down front, and I'm like, there's only three smart people in this whole room <laughs> that want to go to heaven when they die. And, uh, and then they took us into another room, and, and they explained that Jesus died for our sins, and he was buried in the grave, and on the third day he rose. And if we would just pray and believe in our heart that Jesus died for our sins and, 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 and was buried for three days and rose from the grave. And if we confess him as Lord, we'll be saved. Look, it says it right there in Romans chapter 10. And, and so I'm nodding my head, and, you know. So if you want to go to heaven when you die, pray this prayer with us. Pray this prayer with me. And so mm-hmm. I repeated the sinner's prayer. A couple months later, I was baptized at Big Sugar Creek in like March, Ooh. which was rough. Yeah. Uh, and that's some cold water, you know? Right. So I, I, I was led in the sinner's prayer and I got my ticket to heaven. It didn't, I was no more, cha- I was no more born again than this table. I didn't, I didn't understand the exceeding sinfulness of sin. I didn't get that my life had offended a holy God, that my sin mm-hmm. had separated me from him. I didn't get that death. My sin, death, and hell were all condemned to a lake of fire. I didn't know. I didn't know any of that. I didn't understand the wrath of God over my sin, so I, I didn't even know my lostness at that point. So I'm hearing. I'm hearing that language at MBT, mm-hmm. and and you know, you eventually got saved though. For real, I eventually yeah, got you, saved. Don't please don't yeah. leave that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I was twelve, I figured it out. Okay, but um, I'm here. Starting with, do you know what's going to happen to you when you die? I think it's a fine way to start the conversation. But if people are praying a prayer so that now God has to let them into heaven, that ain't the gospel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm nervous because I'm, a, you know, be not many masters. Mm-hmm. And I know I got to do double duty at the judgment seat of Christ. And so it's scaring me. Do, are we... Are we inoculating people against the true gospel 
right? Are we inoculating them because we're leading them in sinners' prayers so that they can get a place in heaven? Because they're sure not showing up at church. And I can preach about that and I can talk about that, but it's not clicking for people. And I remember praying. I was on my way to a trip. I was doing a European tour um, mission. I was four or five destinations in Europe. I was Mm -hmm. just, I lined them all up. And so... I'm like, God, I'm just going to trust you for our approach to evangelism. We're going to get this solved on this trip. And and I asked the Lord, I said, can we marry our, our – our, this is just how clueless I am, <laughs> okay? This has been around forever. Yeah, I just didn't know it about is. it. I'm ignorant. We you feel know? really great like we came up with it, though. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, let me tell you, we got it the hard way, well, <laughs> so it's ours. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. so tell us how you uh, discovered the Discovery Bible Method approach. So we were – I was praying for a way to marry our – evangelism outreach to what we were doing in fourth and fifth grade Mm -hmm. and my prayer was god if our evangelism could just look like fourth and fifth grade we're there and uh so what what we're doing in fourth and fifth grade we didn't know it none of us knew it but we were doing discovery bible method Mm -hmm. and we the curriculum for fourth and fifth grade at the time was read the text Make sure everybody understands the text. What is God commanding from the text? What are we learning from the text? How does it get applied to our life? Is there something? What are we learning new? What was, what must we obey? And and fourth and fifth grade was the bomb. Okay, it is our it was our funnest children's class. It was the funnest adult. I mean, there's no adult ministry that was having as much fun as fourth and fifth grade. I mean, mm-hmm. that was it was dynamic. And, man, if our evangelism could look like that, because we know we're ministering to lost people in right. fourth and fifth grade. Yeah. Uh, not not all of them, but these are yeah, the kids we're winning kids, to Christ, yeah, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm praying, God, how do we do our evangelism through Bible study? So the first stop on the European tour was France. I was meeting a buddy for a conference that he was going to. He'd been wanting me to go for a long time. And, and so I'm staying with missionaries and I described what I just described to you, and they're like, oh, you want to do Discovery Bible Method, Creation of Christ Bible Studies. So that's what you're talking about. Right. I'm like, what? You know? So they laid all this out, and it was Eureka. That's Yes, that's exactly right. what. So we started researching that and studying that and getting our head around that. Discovery Bible Method is just very simple. The, the curriculum is, for evangelism, it's five passages from creation to Christ or 10 passages or 30 passages, different scriptures from Genesis to John. And that's based on how long you think you're going to have with that potential convert. Mm -hmm. How long will they be in Bible study with you? And the goal of Discovery Bible Method is that together you're going to open the scripture and you're going to discover what the word of God is saying to men. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's really, in a nutshell, it's that simple. It is, you know? yeah. 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 And and it leaves space for relationship building and oh, yeah. asking questions. Yeah. And because it's spread out over time, um, what's happening really is once that person gets saved, four, five, six weeks, six months down the road, mm-hmm. once they get saved, well, they've already got a habit of Bible study. Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're in the shoot for discipleship yeah, they're, already. They're yeah. already stuck, yeah. and that's the rhythm of their life yeah. is to yeah. open God's word. Yeah. And and we've seen this time and time again oh. uh, played out. And, and yeah, what's beautiful now is whenever I hear testimonies of salvation, it isn't just so and so profess Christ, 
but now they're going through the discipleship shoot. They're getting signed up to this. They're getting baptized. Mm -hmm. They're becoming functional members of MBT. Um, and, you know, and we're still leading people to Christ on the street, but the, the priority or the major focus of our investment is on discovery Bible method, yeah. Bible studies. Yeah. And so when we plant churches, if, if, for a moment, we think about um, Boston this is our, our most recent church plant. Mm -hmm. uh, the people that are going on that trip are proficient in in this. Th those that are yes. going to be a part of that plant, yeah. those that are going on the missions trips, yeah. the short term trips, yeah, we'll are send going teams to campus to help them yeah. uh, to help establish what will yeah. eventually become Bible studies. That's yeah. the goal: is yeah. to have yeah Bible the church studies. that will be planted in Boston that we're in process of planting in Boston will be born out of Bible studies mm -hmm. primarily. Yeah, yeah, and we'll invite the neighborhoods. We know that, you know, we'll do confrontational evangelism, but we're actually looking for the people that want to help us start Bible studies. Lost people mm -hmm. will help start Bible studies. Right. On the college campus, in neighborhoods, in coffee shops. And then out of that, uh, we'll just take the fruit and we'll trust the Lord to turn some sheep into some shepherds and we'll see the ministry yeah. multiply. Yeah, it's very yeah. cool. One of the yeah. things you always talk about in terms of evangelism is the importance, especially for, for younger people who maybe don't have an incredible grasp on God's word yet. Maybe they haven't been discipled. Maybe they're mm -hmm. just saved. You often talk about the power of a person's testimony uh, to reach reach the lives of the lost. Um, why, why is that so important for someone to be able to frame their testimony in the right way? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if it hasn't made a difference in your life, well, then it's probably not worth talking about. Right. You know, so in Acts 22, Paul lays out the elements of a testimony because he gives his testimony and he mm -hmm. shares what his life was like before Christ and and then how he was confronted with the gospel. You know, he's confronted with the person, the claims of Christ. Uh, he shows his submission and then here's what the Lord has now done in his life since He's believed on the Lord Jesus and submitted to his lordship over his life. Here's how God's now worked in his life. And um, and so that forms a pattern for a, a really effective testimony. Here was my life before Christ. Here was the crisis that led to my recognizing my need. I heard the gospel. Uh, I believed on Christ as my savior, right? I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and now, I mean, if you're born again just so that you have a ticket to heaven, that may not produce a change in your life. But if you're born again, there's a change, mm -hmm. you know, and so all things are become new. You know, I'm a new creature in Christ. I have a new life in Christ. There's a new purpose for my life. I've got a new mission. I've got new objectives and goals, you know, and, and, and there's joy in all of that. So, so this was my life before. This is my life after. The greatest tool outside the gospel, obviously, itself is the testimony of your transformed life, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I think believers need to be able to share that in two minutes or two hours, right. you know, based on what the opportunity allows. Yeah, you know? and, and so uh, let's, you know, hypothetically, we have people coming to Christ and, and, and someone gets saved in a, mm -hmm. in a confrontational evangelism situation and they show up to church or, or they're in a Bible study and, and someone comes to know Christ at some point. Mm -hmm. We want to see them, um, as you mentioned earlier, uh, not just have that one-off experience, but we want to get them plugged into the local church. Yeah. And we want to get them in a, in a path of growth, which is 
you know, the term that we often use here is that there's a path for yeah. development and for growth. Yeah. Tell us about that path of growth. Um, what, what's on that uh, linear path? Yeah, I think if you keep growth in Christ as this nebulous thing that just happens to everybody, and I've heard guys approach it that way before. Um, if there isn't an end view of, if there isn't an end goal or an end view or an end example of what maturity in Christ looks like, I think people are confused and they tend to just go through the motions. I think nothing will kill a discipleship ministry faster than not having a clear progression, a clear path, clear steps for growth because mm-hmm. it's how we're wired. Yeah. What is my first step? You yeah. know, what is my what is my next step? What's the end goal? What direction am I going? If we don't lay that out for people, uh, then they will potentially fall into the trap of thinking being right with God is just attending a few services and don't cuss or chew or kiss girls that do or something stupid like that, you know? <laughs> so so I think we have to communicate that path for growth. I, I, do we want to discuss what those yeah, steps yeah, are? Yeah, yeah, maybe just okay. briefly. So, so for us, in the early days of our ministry here, we were doing discipleship just like I was doing it in the college ministry uh, back in the old KCBT days. Um, and what we would what we would find, I would regularly tell people who would come to me, disciplers who are discouraged, uh, look, I've discipled five people and they've none of them have panned out. And I'd have to tell them, it's it, only one out of 10 are panning out. You just need to know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, only 10%, you know, uh, everybody's proclaiming their own goodness, but it's really hard to find faithful men, and and so you just you just got to know that. It, you know, the Bible indicates it's one in a thousand overall. You know, and so we're sorting out good potential. They're attending, so that ups our odds. But so we're wearing our people out on people that sure. had not counted the cost. Yeah. So we developed a. a, a a class that became a mandate if you want to be we're because we're always talking about discipleship so people Mm -hmm. want to be discipled at mbt so we changed it up and said if you're going to be discipled you have to attend this luke luke study you know in luke 14 um we lay out the cost of discipleship and the lord's very clear there you have to I mean, this is going to cost you your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you yeah. have to put this before everything else in your life. Right. So until you've counted the cost and you're saying, this is my life and I'll let nothing get in the way of learning and being a disciple of Christ, well, then you're not ready. We love you. Keep attending. And and once you're ready, then we'll pair somebody up. And so we went from one out of 10, roughly making it, to now three-fourths you yeah. know two-thirds to three-fourths consistently make it as disciples of christ yeah. you know they 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 go on to the equipping phase where now they're investing in the word of god into the lives of other people so we call it cod or cost of discipleship that's step one the new mm-hmm. members class is part of step one right uh, some people just want to join the church and so that's where we introduce them to discipleship mm-hmm other people start as disciples and then we explain to them church membership so uh, that's step one and then step two is our discipleship curriculum where a mature disciple who is established in the word of god they're established in worship they're established in our local church 
they're established and minister. They're trained mm-hmm. to minister. They're 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 they're, fu- they're serving. They're functioning in ministry. We pair them up along with hopefully an apprentice, somebody that's learning how to disciple. We pair them up to disciple the new person that's coming along. So that's step two. Step three is discipleship two, or it's the entrance into our Living Faith Bible Institute. So in discipleship two, we begin the training, the ministerial training. So we look at the servant, spiritual, the character qualifications of a it's a Second Timothy two Titus mm-hmm. study. Um, we look at the stages of growth. We, we help people to understand nobody gets saved and they're arrived, you know. So right. from babes to ancient to the aged, we look at the seven stages of spiritual growth. And then in the second semester, uh, so in the first semester, we will look at the minister. Right, we Char- look at the character qualities. How people yeah. grow. Then we look at the ministry. In the second semester, we look at the philosophy of discipleship, the biblical mandate, uh, the biblical philosophy. And then we spend four more, that's four weeks. Then we spend four more weeks on how to disciple. Here's how you take our curriculum. Here's our approach. This is how Midtown Baptist Temple makes disciples. Mm -hmm. And then the last eight weeks are on how to study the Bible. Yeah. And then once they've been through D2 and they get what our approach is, they get the goals that we're trying to accomplish when we're discipling someone to establish them with us in worship, in the word, to establish them with us in the structure of the local church. Mm-hmm. And they know by the time somebody finishes COD, that class, they know that God wants to make them a minister. By the time they finish our new members class, they know that God wants them to be a minister. And so so there, there's, there's no hidden agenda right. at that point. We let all the cats out of the bag. But during the D1 phase, that's when the disciples should be established in the goals. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm a worshiper. I'm in the Word. I'm plugged into my local church. I'm fitly joined to the body. These are all goals that the discipler is helping the disciple get established in, because because whenever they're done, they're going to join us in that ministry. We're yeah. going to establish them with us in ministry. So D two is equipping. Once they get out of D two, they're going to keep going through the Living Faith Bible Institute, we want every member at MBT to go through at least the first two years of Bible school, get the essentials set of classes. But then even over time, maybe revisit classes and and never stop. Because the goal is creating a culture where discipleship never ends. Yeah. Both your investment down, but also your reception from from elders in your life. Yeah, yeah. You want to always, we want all of our ministers to always be growing Mm -hmm. in the word. Yeah. Yeah. At At the point where you think you've got the whole thing down and you've arrived is probably the place where you start getting sloppy and, yeah yeah which what you're talking about is uh the path of growth but but sometimes within the path of growth growth we can get so fixed on uh not the knowledge um that we kind of lose sight of the life-giving qualities of discipleship and so we're mm-hmm. focused on the academic nature of it instead of the power and the authority of the spirit lived out in a day-to-day life and so when we're talking about d2 and we're talking about discipleship, and we're talking about all of these stages. How do we ensure that we retain the life-giving part of of growing yeah. in the Lord? Yeah. So that's the last part of the path to growth, right? Once somebody gets trained as a you know that that introductory training as a minister, we put them to work. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the next phase is your apprenticeship. Yeah. We actually take those that get the material they pass and they've they've got it down. They get paired with a seasoned discipler. 
and they we put them to work mm -hmm. you know as an apprentice so they're Which now we, had, we discovered that the hard way too actually is that just because you you went through d2 doesn't mean you're necessarily qualified to start right. discipling we figured that out no. that it wasn't yeah. always working out that people yeah. weren't quite equipped which is yeah. why we started apprenticeship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, you can train, right? There's a lot of stuff that can be taught, but there's also a lot of stuff that needs to be caught. Mm -hmm. So yeah, pairing people up with seasoned, successful disciples is critical. Yeah. And that's that's really helped these new ministers now that are joining with us in ministry. It's really helped them to, to grow in and finish their training as a mm -hmm. discipler. Uh, and then they continue LFBI. You know, they take those classes to help equip them as a minister because that's what's going to keep it from becoming, you know, in a lot of churches, discipleship is this four-week class or this six-week class or this eight-week class or this book study. And by book study, I mean something that they got from Mardell's or Zondervan. Sure. Um, you know, and all those can be good in terms of growing in knowledge but we have to apply what we're learning has to be applied to our life and we need to be using it in ministry so that's the point of accountability that we can't lose mm -hmm. if every member is going to be a minister well then who are you investing the word of god right what hearts what lives what souls are you investing the word of god into every member a mm -hmm. minister and so that's that's the place that we want all of our account accountability to be organized around so yeah, discipleship, it's not just the transfer of knowledge. It is transcendent, but it's also transformational, mm -hmm. you know. In other words, you're you're investing the mission, the vision, uh, the call of God on your life that's now invested in another person such that now it becomes their mission, yeah. their vision, the call yeah. of God on their life. Right. We want to make disciple makers. Right. That's what we want to make. Right. So in terms of discipleship, uh, that's something that we want replicated in all of the churches that we plant. You know, this philosophy, mm -hmm. this approach to, to healthy ministry model. Yeah. Um, how do we ensure as we send people out that our DNA is continuing to replicate over time? Yeah. So we don't hire people in from the outside to plant churches. Mm. We don't do that. That's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. <laughs> and it's the proof. So we're always equipping, we're always training leaders. Mm -hmm. And by that, so like one of the, and maybe we can get into this in more in depth in the next session, but we don't use men to build the ministry. That does happen, but that's not the goal. We mm -hmm. want to use the ministry to build ministers. And so the idea is if we're training and equipping leaders and they're doing the ministry with us, then it's the proven leaders and the ones that the Holy Spirit separates out to you know it's an acts 13 proposition where the holy spirit is now separating out some proven leaders to multiply what we're doing here in another place mm -hmm. and so yeah their evangelism approach is the same because they've been doing evangelism with us right. their discipleship approach is the same because they've been successfully discipling that way with us mm -hmm. their philosophy of ministry is the same because i never well now all the all the pastors none of us shut up about it right and so they're they're preaching that biblical approach to ministry with us and so when they go out they do their what we're doing here and so we talk about it in terms of our our dna mm -hmm. in ministry we everything reproduces after its kind and so 
MBT has now matured to the point where we've got seasoned leaders joining us saying, we want to help. Well, okay, great. We're always praying for workers for the harvest, but there then needs to be a proving out process and a time for them to learn us and to begin to do ministry with us because we're not going to, we're not going to waste our time planning churches that are going to rely on marketing and programs to get a bunch of Christians excited about attending mm-hmm. their services. We want to, frankly, we're better off if we can just win our own lost people to the Lord and, and save people always join, mm-hmm. you know, praise the Lord. But sometimes <laughs> it's just, it's That's good so when you lead yeah, people right. to Christ without any baggage and they'll have mm-hmm. their baggage from their lost life, but but just train them in the scriptures, train them in the philosophy of ministry, and and um, they they it seems like they turn into ministers quicker, you know. Yeah, there's less yeah. hurdles, maybe along there's the way. There's maybe less hurdles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, man, that's I wanted to end on that point because um, in our next episode we're going to have a conversation about what it looks like to train pastors up and build leaders for the work of church planning. Yeah. And so that element of evangelism and discipleship, the way that we do things, has got to be replicatable. It can't be something that's just stagnant. Um, You know, it's just something we do at 40th and Walnut. It has to be something that we can take. It has to to be, it has to reproduce. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Sam, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for letting me. And thank you as well for being with us in another episode of The Postscript. Uh, if you've got questions about our discipleship uh, ministry, uh, you're hearing us talk about on, on over and over and over again on these episodes about discipleship, about discipleship, and you've got more questions about what that means. It's it's not just some vague concept. It's not just something that we do in Sunday school. It's not something that takes place in cell groups. This is the the most active element of what we do as a church, and so we're always talking about it, and we do have a strategy. And if that strategy interests you, uh, you can learn more at lffellowship.com. And there's a section uh, right there in the navigation bar that says, what is biblical discipleship? You can read more about that there and you can contact us uh, if you'd like, if you'd like to uh, ask more questions. If you've got questions about Living Faith Bible Institute, maybe you're a like-minded church and you're hearing uh, you know, us talk about these things and, and it resonates with you and you know that, that you would like to train your people the way that we train ours, you can visit lfbi.org and get more information about Living Faith Bible Institute. Again, and as always, uh, we love you, we're thankful for you, and we're glad that you joined us for another episode. Bye-bye. My name is Brian Bustos, and I am a Living Faith Bible Institute student. And I'm also a husband. And I'm also a father. In this stage of my life, things are definitely chaotic. I've been called by God to serve in my local church here in Kansas City. And in any given week, that may look like leading worship, or preparing for a Bible study, or even teaching a class. And this is where Living Faith Bible Institute is so important to my life. First, it gives me focus, but two, it's flexible. And so if I can't make that Saturday morning class, I can still catch it online, whether it's remotely, or even sometime later in the week, like during my lunch break. I guess in essence, I don't have to put my life on pause. Enroll for classes at lfbi.org.
If you are interested in donating to LFBI to support future pastors and leaders, please visit lfbi.org slash donate.